Let's just pray before we get into the word. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity again to sit at your feet and to receive from you. We thank you, God, for your goodness towards us. Heavenly Father, like John was just declaring, we thank you that your, your vision and your mind for us is being worked out and perfected, that we are moving from glory to glory. Father God, we desire to be the very praise of your name in the earth, and we continually to give ourselves, O oh God, over and over to the leading of your spirit, so that you, O oh God, may find pleasure inside of us as we become vessels worthy, O oh God, of honor. Father God, this morning we ask, O oh God, that you would bless each and every one of us. Heavenly Father God, as we feast together and we give of the beauty of that that you have poured into each of our lives, that, oh God, will be a love offering. Father God, where you receive pleasure, but we are built up into, oh God, the temple of God. So we come in faith towards you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, God is merciful. Um, Nathan, I saw Nathan went to Peter just now and, and whispered something. I don't know what you all spoke about, but what came out then was the song Alpha and Omega. <laughs> and that was just mercy to me because around 9.30 this morning, I said, Father God, what you want to share? And he said, I'm the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. So <laughs> I took that as God. Um, confirmation. I was coming thinking, all right, I'm going to trust you in faith, God, that you're going to give something to share. But that song that we finished on there, just, um, just was very reassuring inside of me. So we're going to start in Revelation 21. Well, first one. Read some scriptures again this morning, and then we will um, we'll see where we're going. Um, an image dropped in my mind just before we jump into this. An image dropped in my mind this week which was very helpful for me. Let me share it with you. Maybe it, 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 may, um, it may be useful for you as well. Jamie, can I borrow you? Yeah, it was just driving past Whalebourne Avenue on my way into work. And God, says, God said to me, Hans, you have to be like a blind man to walk in the spirit. Whoa. Uh, I want someone else. Why are you getting so tall? No, no, come on, come on. I'm joking. <laughs> Really? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm going to discipline you this evening so you know who's bigger, all right? All right. <laughs> it doesn't help the analogies taller than me, but there we go. <laughs> no, um, so I, I just said, God said, Hans, you've got to be blind to walk in the spirit. And I said, okay. And the thing I saw is, now you've got to close your eyes and you've got to follow me, all right? Follow the song to my voice. All right? Don't follow anything else. Go left, 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 forward, right, forward, right, right, forward, left, right, forward. You know, and stop there. That was it. I was seeing something like that in my spirit, and please hear me more than the analogy. And what, 
God was showing me is that whether you hear my voice audibly or it's very faint, it's important for you to obey every instruction. But as I was looking into the vision, um, the thing that God was sharing, I was seeing myself more and more straining forward, not because God's voice was getting low, but because I wanted not to miss the timing of the instruction. So I wasn't just moving based on, I know it comes every two beats, but I wanted to make sure as soon as it shifted, I shifted. And God says, that is what it is to live by the Spirit. Now, he had a choice. He could have disobeyed me saying, close your eyes. He could have opened his eyes, and he could have navigated those things. But he wouldn't have given pleasure to God. And also, thanks, Jimmy. As I was reflecting on that, I said, you know, every time I saw in the scripture that God said he opened their eyes, the minor prophets or those guys, they saw something that made the reality to which confronted them fall to the ground. Isn't that true? No? Should we look at it in scripture? All right? Every time God opened men's eyes, they perceived a reality that caused them to confront their fears. Okay? Because they were able to see him who was given the word and to trust in him and understand that the things that exist, they are temporal. And that is a big deception in life. That we open our eyes or we watch out the clock and we think this is going to happen at 5 p.m. Or this is what I have to face tomorrow. And it causes us to decide to trust in that thing that Adam ate of. That knowledge of good and evil. And we decide to navigate circumstances by knowledge rather than by listening to the spirit. And in that, there is deception. Okay? Because you could probably miss the mic stand or miss the podium, but you never please God. And I want to suggest to us, the thing that we are created for is to please God, not to avoid negative circumstances that you don't like. That is not the plan and purpose for life. If you live life that's navigating bad circumstances, there is a certain end for you. But if you navigate life living by obedience to God, then he receives pleasure and you get to sit with him in his, in his rest. We understand that point? All right? So we're created for our purpose. Not to avoid circumstances, but to give God pleasure. And that's why the works of the flesh can cause us to appear righteous to other men. You could give arms. You could wake up a certain time. You could be diligent. You could take care of your hygiene. You could exercise a lot. And people could watch the order of your life and say, you know what? This person's life is dung-packed. But if that life is not being lived by obedience to God, it counts for nothing. Agreement? It counts for nothing in the end. All right, so last week, by, by the Spirit, we felt God was sharing with us that we wanted to, he wanted to say, the destination is him, which is the Father. And we talked a bit about what treasure we have inside of Christ, all right? And we're going to continue focusing on that in terms of the destination being the Father and how we get to the Father and get the Father inside of us. But as God, as I said, God um, kind of confirmed this morning, he wants us just to reflect a bit on the Alpha and the Omega, which is an interesting start, but let's go there and see where we get to. All right, if you bring it up. 
Yeah, I'll read from here because I have the King James. All right. So he said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth was passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Go on. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men. He liveth with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give drink without course from the spring of the water of life. He who overcome will inherit all this, and I will be his God. And he will be my son. We're going to go back to that word overcome and examine it probably in early revelations to see that there is, remember I said last week, Jesus is a path. He's not the end. He's not, yeah, he's a path that leads us to the Father. And Jesus overcame, yeah, he learned obedience by the things he suffered and he got back to the end where the Father glorified him. And we are also called to walk that path to get to the Father. So we're going to come back and see examples of, of, of our people overcoming. And then we'll probably get a chance to talk about how do we overcome. All right, from verse 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with, glow, with the glory of God and its brilliance was like the very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates, and the 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel who walked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and as high as it was long. He measured its walls and it was 144 cubits thick by man's measurements, which the angel was using. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold as pure glass. The foundations of the City's walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh crystallite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth christophase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. 
The 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of pure gold, like transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And the Lamb of its lamp, and the Lamb of its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Go on to 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will be there any curse. The throne of God and and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of the Lamb or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Then the angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the Spirit of the prophets, sent his angels to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. I, John, I'm the one who saw, who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers, the prophets, and all who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words from the prophecy of the book because the time is near. We'll stop there. Now, um, as I read that, several things just keep jumping back into my mind. I'm seeing some common themes, and I think it's, it's good sometimes for us to spend some time just reading the scriptures um, because we could see patterns. Patterns in different books, and also patterns in you, the living testaments, the living epistles. All right? Very interesting. Um, every time something is mentioned, that's supposed to be solid, it says as the end of it is transparent. We saw that? Yeah? It's clear as crystal. It's transparent. It's like glass. Yeah? And it talks about that beauty. So though they were solid, 144 cubits in, in men's measurements, and like, you know, all those things still had in them a level where the light that was in the center of the city could shine through it. Remember it said there will be no sun or moon there. Because God will be its light. Yeah? And we are that, we are that city. Okay? Say, I am the city. Yeah? God's intention is for us to be that city 
to which he will radiate through. All right? Well, God said also in the scriptures that he doesn't desire cities to dwell in. Yeah? He desires to pour himself inside of us. You believe that? Yeah. And, and, and those very angels who said, look, we are fellow servants with you. They are the very ones who in scripture said, what is man that you're mindful of him? Yeah? Those are the ones who look upon what God is revealing through us. And they're seeing something absolutely beautiful in the nature of God coming out that they didn't see, even though they had proximity to God. All right? So we, let me just this again. We want to know, we want to accept that the Father is a destination and that God always intended for us to get to him. That's where I started last week. All right? And I'm, say, I'm saying also, God wants us to get to him but God, in getting to God, God is putting himself inside of us. All right? And when he puts himself inside of us, he calls that perfect communion. And just like we saw in Revelations um, 22 and 21, that's the omega expression of God's intent. Where we become a city, God puts his light inside of us, and his light shines through us, and it becomes glorious. All right? And... I, I, I could butcher that with a few scriptures um, just so that you have something to, to go home and to continue your study or to continue in the development groups to talk about. Let's, um, just to butcher that from an individual standpoint, um, let's talk about the soul of man, okay? We know that we were born dead in sin, okay? We still had a soul and we still had flesh, but God, at the point in time that we gave our life to Christ, he raised our spirits, and he allowed our soul to go on a journey. Now, the soul is like a house, okay? Your soul is like a house, and I mean, Adam was born with an empty soul, Jesus was born with an empty soul, Yeah? But, you know, they said this, the child grew in wisdom. That's what Jesus is speaking to. But we know with Adam and Eve, they made a choice in the Garden of Eden. And disobedience entered inside of them. Okay? They were called to walk in commandments. But they didn't walk and obey the commandments. And they allowed disobedience. And last week we were saying that you're either a slave of righteousness or a slave of unrighteousness. You don't, you don't, there's no other way to live, yeah? In life, you're either a slave of righteousness or a slave of unrighteousness. And that slavery is talking about what happens inside of our soul. So, I, I was listening to somebody over the weekend, and, and, and what they were saying is that, you know that, you know, he said, um, don't put a candle under a bushel, and, and, and don't, you know. That was really speaking about when the light of God comes into our soul, we shouldn't hide it, yeah? Because that light needs to be revealed. And we talk about, we talk about here sharing testimonies, don't we? So when God does something good inside of us, we don't suppress that, but we talk about the goodness of God so that others could see that testimony of God's goodness and that it could be revealed. And we talked about 
being accountable for the revelation to which you've had. So if God reveals part of his nature to you, that part of that that God has revealed, if you are faithful with it, God adds more to you. Okay? So in my soul, I am called for to walk in obedience. And every time I give myself to obedience, God adds more of himself and reveals more of himself to me. And I think when we look at Revelation um, 22 and 21, it gives me a sense of comfort because if God says in the end, we will become that beautiful city, then I have no reasons to be fearful of Revelation 1 to 19. If you read Revelation 1 to 19 and you see the tribulations and stuff, you could get very scared. Not so? If you read the whole Bible, you could get very scared. Who can make it? Don't you think that or is just me? All right? But I find it's very interesting. If in the end, Revelation 21 and 22, it's talking about the glory of God, and we know God is both the Alpha and the Omega, then I, have ability, I should have the ability to traverse or to endure in between. Not so? All right, so we saw in the beginning, in the end, sorry, God says what will happen. Let's look in the beginning. Genesis 1. The first verse, yeah. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I think you should stop. No, I'm going to go further from there. So, we looked at, keep it there, Jacob. We looked at Revelation 22, and we saw the glorious city at the end, and God completing his purpose. And everything that I want to suggest that any of you know inside here, exists after that verse. That's the in-between. Time, seasons, death, sickness, jobs, children, spouses, wars, anything that you know or become fearful in the earth exists after that verse. Not so? And the latter part of the very book talks about God getting it complete in the end. So, there's a place of confidence we can have inside of God that if he was in the beginning and he spoke everything we know, even us, into being, and he says in the end, I will occupy you very people and I will create a new heaven and a new earth, then we could exist in confidence. Okay? And Jesus had to do the same. Let's look at John 1. St. John, Gospel according to John. We read a few verses here. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. This is the word that became the son that is now back with the father, okay? Let's go on, Jacob. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light that shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. Go ahead. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. 
He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man's coming into the world. So we see the process there that Jesus didn't come just to reveal light in himself, but he came to give light to us. All right? He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He didn't finish there. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, we see the active part there. Yeah? Remember he said he came into the world, the world didn't whatever, but he says, yet to all who received him, so some people made a decision, to those who believed in his name, I think we looked at something with belief last week, he gave the right to become the children of God. Remember, we said Jesus was a, is the son of God, he was the word in the beginning, he came into the world, and he earned sonship. Yeah, he moved into sonship. But God is saying, we have the ability to access that as well. He gave the right to become the children of God. Go ahead. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father full of the grace and truth. Now stay there. I don't know if you remember last week, was it Nathan who gave a scripture? Mel, was it somebody gave something on Melchizedek? And he talked about Melchizedek was a priest. And we talked about, oh, we had spoken about it in the week, hadn't we? Yeah, and he talked about Melchizedek being a priest without genealogy. All right? He wasn't like the Levitical priesthood. So we see in there that there are, there are things that God causes to be expressed in the earth that does not come out of natural human endeavors. Look what it says there. It doesn't come from the decision of a husband will, but born of God. It doesn't come out of our decisions. There are things that God allowed to access. Priesthood, sons of God, children of God, nature of Christ, and those things he purposed in himself. And I want to suggest those things are birthed or accessed by us in the earth through obedience. Why they, why they are birthed through obedience, you may ask me. Because, and I, I can show you some scriptures where Jesus himself walked in that obedience to earn that nature. You see, guys, in this life, I'll talk for me again. There are dark night circumstances, aren't there? I've walked through some of them. Where you think, I need to take this decision to save myself. Or I need to take this decision to explain myself. Oh, Father God, I know this is not what you want me to do, but I just want it, you know? I just, like if I go in a garden center, Kedan will tell you, um, I find it difficult to resist buying a plant that I really think will do good in my garden. I find it very strange <laughs> that I have, you know, that I can actually hear the Spirit of God say no hands sometimes, yeah? I covet that, oh, I want it so badly. And that could be different things to you. That could be things more substantial. It could be houses, it could be cars, it could be pens, it could be laptops, it could be whatever, mobile phones, I don't know. But there, there are times where I see myself, a passion and a desire rising up inside of me for things in this earth that doesn't come from him. And sometimes God just says no. He tempers that desire. 
and I find myself wrestling with obedience and disobedience. And as I probably gave an example before, sometimes I see the end of my obedience and I say, whoa, God, you were right all along. And sometimes I don't see it. And I still got to trust that God, you were right all along. Okay? It's by the promise of God. And an example I often quote is Abel. Abel trusted God, desired to give God of his best. And he is forever a living testimony. But he never walked in the fullness to see what we now see. Not so. Abel died soon after offering God his best. Yeah? And the choice for me often is, can I find confidence in just what God says? Can I trust that I, if I walk in obedience, in the end, I will end up in Revelation 21, 22? Or God, do I want a salvation now to prove that this word came from you? God, do I not want to look foolish? Can I trust that you are the Alpha and the Omega? Or do you need to show me the end before I have confidence inside of you? Guys, and I believe that's decisions that people are making every day. Okay? I am making those decisions every day. And look, let me, let me, let me give examples of guys in the scripture. Even the disciples, they wanted to preserve Jesus' life. Just after he told them he had to die. Remember that? With Peter? You know, um, he told them, and if you think, if you have the information, you wouldn't do it. Peter thought so as well. Not so. He says, this very night, before the cock crows three times, you will deny me. And he went and he denied him. So the thing that causes us to live and express the fullness of the nature of God is the ability to obey by a decision we have made in our hearts. If we don't make those decisions that God, I will obey, I want to tell you, you will not last the night. You wouldn't last the seasons between the Alpha and the Omega. Yeah? But God has deposited enough grace for us to last those seasons. And my challenge is, Father God, how do I access your grace in the time of my need? Okay? How do I allow my light, my soul, to be raised? And often, it comes just by obedience. Have anybody obeyed God and regretted it? Probably yes, because you haven't seen the end yet. But I'm asking an open question. <laughs> See, Daniel caught me and I. <laughs> Have you obeyed God and regretted it? Have you disobeyed God and regretted it? Even though you didn't see the end. Yeah? So we have been wired a certain way. And the obedience, and it's hard when God kind of revealed that to me. My obedience is not for me to feel good. It's to give him pleasure. Yeah? And I often think about, about God, and I use in my knowledge, my, 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 my earthly wisdom, or I'm kind of, I want to get there already. And God said to me this weekend, he said, but look, Jesus have been sitting at my right hand all this time, waiting for you guys to get perfect. And he, did, he, he will not rise up and say, Father, send me back down so I could do it and finish it. Not so. Jesus sits there 
and wait until we become the very thing spoken about in Revelation 21 and 22. He said even Jesus, who was born without sin and walked the earth for 30 years, at different points people was asking him, show signs and wonders. And Jesus did not get shifted. You've got to remember, this is the word that was in God from the beginning. He came and at 11 we saw his wisdom exceeded all the scholars. But what did that child do? For the next 19 years or so, he gave himself totally to receiving God and learning obedience. To causing his soul to be raised. And what was interesting in that for me is that he then had the ability not to worry about the night circumstances of life. Even in the desert, after 40 years, uh, 40 days, sorry, <laughs> after 40 days, when the devil appeared, you notice he didn't really even, he was almost batting him aside. No, the word of God says this. No, you shouldn't worry about that. No, we shouldn't tempt the Lord your God. Or even when the disciples came down in the bowels of the ship and shook him and said, guy, you don't concern that we're going to die? He was like, almost like, why you disturb my sleep? Is that the response that is inside of you? In night circumstances. If he is our big brother, and that same spirit is working in us, and our souls are being called to be raised, the question I'm asking you is, when night circumstances meet you, what is your response? And I want to suggest our response needs to be like his. It needs to be established in a place of peace. Because we are walking in obedience. And what I find really interesting is that... Um, Let's look at Job. Job. Before we go to Job, sorry, Isaiah 11. What I, what I want to, 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 for us to just look at is what God, how God intends us to respond to circumstances. To get to the place where our soul received the Father and to walk in obedience there's a disposition of our heart that we need to have. It's here. So a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. Let's read this together. Go ahead from the start. A shoot will come. Let's go on. Stop there. Let's stop there. All right? Let's, let's flip back, Jacob. So we've seen, we've seen God's, the prophet saying in that scripture that there is a discernment or a way to come to decisions that is not by the seeing of the eye or the hearing of the ear. We see that? 
I'm paraphrasing, but we're seeing that, all right? And Isaiah wasn't the first. Let's, let's look at Job 26, um, 14. Job 26. 26, verse 14. And I'm trusting that you know the story of Job, so I'm paraphrasing. Um, go to verse 12. Let me see if I go there. Oh. oh. All right. What was happening there is that and these are but the fringe with the father whisper here. Who can understand the thunder of his power? All right. In my translation, it says it differently. Anybody have another translation? Tell me Job 26, 14. While I go there. No, I have that. That's not the one. It's somewhere around there, 12... Still have to see now. All right. In, 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 in Job, it talked about a man being visited by circumstances, a man who God was making a boast in heaven. And while God was making that boast in heaven, the devil was there as well. And he says, It's because of these things why this man is serving you. So it's because life is pleasant. That's why he's serving you. And God says, no. And then the devil asks permission. Well, give me permission to go touch him. All right? And permission was given. Sorry? Yeah, Job chapter 1. No, no, I'm giving the story, but I'll come back to the thing. And then permission was given, and all his substance was touched. His children died. He lost all his stuff. And then the guy still stayed faithful. And then an accusation came again, and he says, look, it's because, I haven't, it's because his life is preserved, or his flesh. If you just give me permission to touch his flesh, um, he will re- recant. And then God gave permission, but the guy stayed faithful. But then Job's friends came to minister to him, and as good friends, they sat, they, they travailed with him, they grieved with him, and then they came to a conclusion. They said, no, we know God. There must be some sin inside of your life. All right? We know that script. We know the, the story, yeah? He said, there must be something inside of your life that is causing God to deal like this. And then Job says, no, I don't know anything. And then a few verse, chapters later, he said, but I know you. And I think something, some, and he said some explanations. And then we saw God then challenge Job and ask him to explain certain mysteries of the earth. And one of the big mysteries that he asked Job is, explain to me Leviathan. And if you can explain to me Leviathan, then I will tell you the answer. And then Job came and repent. And then Job said something just as the prophet Isaiah in the end. And that is seen in Job 42, verse 5. going to wrap up in, in a few minutes. He says, my eyes have heard you, but now I have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And that scripture is really encouraging to me. Because even with what I have come to know of God, sometimes I, in my own self, in my own wisdom, 
seem to want to analyze when God asks me to walk in obedience. Yeah? And guys, angels did that. The very serpent, the devil, did that. He was right next to God. And because he saw aspects of God, he considered that I'm all these things. So therefore, I am as glorious as God. And then God had to cast him out. And here is God saying, in the end, in Revelation 22, I'm going to be so beautiful and I'm going to allow you guys to reveal my beauty that angels will stand and bow because they who existed with me didn't even see all this aspect of nature with me. And the mystery of life, everything between in the beginning, God created, and everything in Revelations 22, is the plan and purpose of God to bury himself inside of us. That's what we read in John, was it John 17 last week? 14 and 17. That inside of life, the only agenda inside of this life is God's desire to commune in men. Everything else was created. We were the only things created in his image. And though Adam circumvented that through what Christ did, and we looked at that last week, we have again been adopted. Our spirits have been alive. And as vessels or containers or wineskins or whatever we call ourselves, as houses, God is saying, I am going to again pour myself inside of you. But guess what? God the Father will only be revealed to angels and to every created thing if he pours himself inside of us. Guys, if we don't obey, time just continues. And we already read where God says a day is like a thousand years. And it baffles my mind how a God so beautiful will want to trust to these people I'm looking at, or even me, that he says, my nature will never be revealed unless it's contained in the vessels of Owen, of John Singleton, of Alan, of Peter. The beauty that is God cannot be revealed unless it's buried inside of you, Tanya. And Sometimes that seems too simple, doesn't it? But you know why it seems simple? We watch at our disobedience. Not so? I'm going to conclude there and pray, but I want God to lift our ability and our gaze to not look at each other through our acts of transgression, but the beauty that he's pouring in. Because if we don't, we are saying that, Jesus, you can't come in the flesh. That Christ, you are only a carpenter's son. Owen is only Neil Jake's son. Yeah? And I know his former transgression. So we have the best defense lawyer sitting in heaven, making advocacy on behalf of Owen, and all of us in the earth agreeing with darkness and saying, no, but I have seen darkness expressed in him. I don't believe the light. And I think God, who is the Omega, is saying, if you trust in me, I will reveal myself inside of you and make you that thing that is in the end, that beautiful city. And I think God wants to release something to us as a community, to us as individuals, the ability to exist in the night. So that's what I want to pray for, that in the middle of the night, the thing that we reach for 
is not remembering our transgression, but remembering what he has done. The thing that we remember is that we almost, we already seen very dimly the glory of the Father being revealed inside of each of us. And if we could, by faith, believe that he could finish what he started, then guys, we're on a glorious path. Yeah? And very interesting for me, I found that the disciples, in the end, although they disappeared in the night of the crucifixion, when we see them popping up after, they love not their lives unto death. First guy I saw was Stephen. And he stood and he declared the mystery of heaven. And when stones were being rained on him, he stood faithful. And I want that for all of us. So Father God, I'm asking that you go beyond my words, you go beyond, oh God, the intents of each of our hearts, and you give us an understanding of the treasure that you have laid up in this life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father God, and as every mind now reflects on the circumstances of life, the struggles, the things that they are believing you for, Father God, I'm praying, oh God, as we become diligent to walk in obedience, we become diligent, oh God, in searching the scriptures, we become diligent, oh God, in just listening to the Spirit's voice and following your direction, that we will find a part of Christ, that part that leads unto glory, that part that makes us the praise of God in the earth, that part that makes us, oh God, like the church of Philadelphia, quoted in Revelations, oh God, the church, oh God, who was rich, the church, oh God, who suffered in tribulation. Father God, I'm praying that you will minister your grace, that none of us, oh God, will grow weary when circumstances come upon us, O oh Lord God. Father, like Jesus Christ in the wilderness, by yielding to obedience, God, you will send angels to minister to us. Like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, you will send angels to minister to us. Father God, like the vision that Jacob saw, angels descending and ascending, God, our prayers shall lift to you like incense, O Lord God, and you shall receive them with joy, and you shall send them back from heaven, God, as mighty forces, O God, as you did for Daniel, and you cause, O God, the might of Babylon to be crushed in a moment. You cause the mouth of lions to be locked up. You cause, O God, men to walk through dark circumstances and not deny your name. Father God, and I want to be like Stephen. I don't want to deny your name. I want to declare your name as a praise. Like Paul, O Lord God, bring me to a conviction beyond religion, beyond, O God, everything that I could boast in the flesh. Bring me, God, to a place where I can declare you. And as I declare you, God, I know that you will give me more and more sight of you. And I know, God, you will beautify me more and more because of that thing which I receive from you. So, God, I lift my hands and I lift my spirit, oh God, towards heaven. And I ask, oh Lord God, that you will, you will just bless us from the least to the greatest. Father God, that none of us will feel too proud to follow the direction of the Spirit. That, oh God, in every moment and in every juncture, we shall be able to call upon you and to receive of you. In the name of Jesus.
in the name of Jesus. Guys, I, I, I just think God's saying, if we could boast about everything in the book, but we can't have confidence in the end, we make him a liar. Yeah? If we could boast about God's center, a little child into the earth, and angels to do this, and Abraham, our forefather, if we convincingly believe those stories and we boast about them, but you're not willing to boast in your day, that God will be revealed inside of you. You make those heroes of the faith continue to wait because they all look forward to a time where the city of God could be inside of men. They just had instructions. If you look at them, only one word, and they live their whole lives on that one word. They longed for a time where the Spirit of God could dwell with men and be with men forevermore. All right, so let's not let them wait. Not because time is the issue, but because God is looking for pleasure in and out through all of us. All right? Bless God. Please, I encourage you always, go home, check the scriptures, talk to people in your families, in your development groups, and find a way to make sure that these things become your inheritance. Because the folds of the air, pluck them. All right? Circumstances, pluck truth away from you. So the way to make sure truth lands and brings forth a, f- a fruitful harvest is to be diligent, all right? Please go and apply yourselves, all right? Thank you.